0: Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90min. Hope you enjoyed the international weekend. Hope you've uh, had a nice break, had a nice rest because of course we're heading towards Arsenal's return and that return comes at Anfield and something tells me it's going to be a very difficult return to club football for the Gunners uh, later on this week. So I hope you've enjoyed the weekend that's just gone, uh, switched off a little bit, turned your focus is maybe to other things, family, friends, getting out on the town, whatever it may be. Uh, I hope you've uh, <laughs> I hope you've enjoyed that rest because I can tell you one thing, the stress will return uh, this coming weekend. There's no doubt about it. Hope you're all well. Um, haven't been on for a few days. I, I decided to take that exact route and that was to kind of cut off and have a little bit of a break for a few days. Um, got a mad busy week of work this week, so felt it was probably best to rest up and I had a bit of a cold at the back end of last week as well that I was really struggling with so it gave me some time to just chill out, relax, get back on track and here we are with our first episode back. Lots and lots to get into today. We're going to be talking about Ramsdale and Emil Smith-Rowe and Bakayo Saka of course who all start for England this evening against San Marino. We're going to be talking about Marseille and their reported interest in signing William Saliba on a permanent deal. We'll be talking about Eddie Nketiah's future, a little bit about Nicolas Pepe, touch on the Kulusevski story. But most importantly, tonight on this live edition of the show, we will be taking your questions. You've been sending me your questions. I've got a few um, from Twitter. I've got a few from YouTube. And of course, those of you who are watching us live at the time will be able to submit some questions into the chat box as well. And I will do my best to work my way through as many as possible. The focal point of this episode is the Q&A, so I'll do my best to get through the other bits as quickly as possible so that we can then focus and spend a little bit more time on that. Uh, But it would be wrong of me, as a Guna not to congratulate Aaron Ramsdale and Emile Smith-Rowe, who are about to make their England debuts in around about 45 minutes' time. Now, tomorrow we'll talk a little bit more about how they got on in one of our episodes. Um, you know, obviously can't do that now because at the time of recording the game is yet to kick off. But it's obviously a, a proud moment for Arsenal. It's a proud moment for those lads and to have three Arsenal players in the starting lineup for England is is, is a big deal. I mean, I know it's against San Marino. I know there are far more glamorous ties uh, to come, but it's just a sign of, of the way things have gone at Arsenal in the last couple of months that so these guys have got the call-up. It's a sign how much they've improved, how much they've progressed, and uh, you know a lot of people talk about having players in the national team and the benefits that you get from that some will say it's a myth some will say it's not i certainly think that you get favorable decisions i certainly think you get favorable media coverage and i think there's a lot to gain from having players in the english national team and i cannot remember at the last time there were three arsenal players in the england lineup can anyone tell me when that was it must have been years ago um so yeah if if you know, if you can be bothered to do the research while you're on here live, check it out. But that's obviously a big deal and a big thing for the Arsenal. And hopefully it goes well uh, for those three guys, especially uh, this evening against San Marino. So just wanted to pass on my congratulations to them. And then I wanted to talk a little bit about the reports from Ekrem Konu, who uh, says that Marseille are looking to open talks with Arsenal over William Saliba uh, with regards to potentially taking him to the club. On a permanent deal now, as everybody knows, Saliba is out on loan in Marseille. is having a pretty good time of it at the moment and has really kicked on. Um, which, in in my opinion, kind of proves that we were right to allow him to go out on loan in the first place because the minutes he's getting are clearly benefiting him. The 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 part he has to play and the role he has to play in that Marseille squad is obviously giving him um, what he needs in terms of responsibility. League and you know, it's, it's not an easy environment. I'm not going to say that. It's not easy to play for a club of Marseille's size, wherever that may be. So there is a pressure, but it's also less pressure than you get at Arsenal. And I think that that's fair to say. So I think this is kind of the perfect environment for somebody like William Saliba. And Arsenal have repeatedly said that they'll look at the situation at the end of the season. And, you know, reports have told us that They plan to keep him and he is part of the plans. After all, if Arsenal do achieve their objectives this season and get back into European competition, we're going to need more than two decent centre-halves. And, um, you know, I I think we can all agree that Rob Holding isn't quite at the level we'd like. Is he okay as a third or fourth centre-back? Maybe. Uh, But not much more than that. Pablo Marie, I'd say exactly the same. You know, the squad centre-backs. William Saliba might not be there yet, but it feels like he has the potential to be a starter in the future. He has the potential to, um, you know, to, to push for a place in this side. And Ultimately, if he doesn't and if Arsenal decide that that's not what they want to do with him because he's gone out to Marseille and he's played pretty well, he now has a a far greater sell on value. And that is obviously good business too. Am I saying that Arsenal are definitely going to sell him? I don't know that. I don't think anybody knows that. I think people are speculating about it. I think people are um, looking at his performances and are adamant that he must come back and he must return. Uh, There are others who think that he just has no chance under Mikel Arteta, that the damage is already done, that the relationship is already broken, that the the pair just don't see eye to eye and, and therefore we may well sell him. I'll tell you this, I wouldn't be surprised either way. And I know it sounds like I'm sitting on the fence a little bit, but if Mikel Arteta was to go not sure about this guy, there is 25, 30 million pounds on the table, which would see us recuperate our investment in him. I'm going to take it, I don't think I would be surprised because ultimately he's not featured under Mikel Arteta yet, which suggests that at least right now, Mikel Arteta, or at least at the start of the season, Mikel Arteta didn't feel he was good enough, rightly or wrongly. If he stays, I also wouldn't be surprised because as I say, I think we need a little bit more depth in those central defensive positions. This is a, a transfer saga or, or a situation, whatever you want to call it, that is not one of... Mikel Arteta's making in the sense of he didn't bring him to the club but it's one that the club I think probably looked at um looked back at later on and said I think we probably overpaid not because Saliba won't go on to be a very good centre-half but because of where he's at now or where he was at um at the time Mikel Arteta took over and I think the club have decided to be patient to bide their time and probably feel that the loan um you know the loan move would would give them a bit more of an opportunity to kind of wait and see and see how it pans out. Um, and and ultimately, a decision can be made from a much more informed position later down the line. I think he will return. I think he will be part of the plans if I had to guess, if I had to, uh, you know, have a bet. But as I say, I wouldn't be surprised either way. And I think that that's what you should be thinking or feeling as an Arsenal fan, because I think that's the, the realistic kind of, diagnosis if you want of what the situation is today. The situation today is that I don't think his future is 100% clear. And Marseille might open talks, but if they can't get near what Arsenal feel the player is worth, then you know those talks are going to come to nothing and nobody needs to worry about it. But I'd keep a close eye on this one because as I say I, I don't think it's clear cut either way whether Saliba stays or whether he goes, I think it depends on what's on the offer. I think that will play a massive, massive part. And that's that's just my opinion uh, on it. Um, big hello to everybody joining us in the live chat. Lots of you in there, lots of familiar faces. Hope you're all good. Um, Inter, took him a few minutes to start uh, on me. It's never Mikel's fault. Well, no, signing Saliba for 27 million pounds, was not Mikel's fault. You can't hold him accountable for that signing when he wasn't even at the club. That's the point I'm making. Sometimes you you come to a club and you have players and players that have been bought for excessive amounts of money or large amounts of money, um, like in this case, and the manager might not feel they're ready. And why should the manager be almost held as a hostage to the price tag when he's not the one that sanctioned the deal. That's the point I'm making. Mikel Arteta should make his decisions on William Saliba based on whether he thinks he's good enough and based on what he's seen of him and not based on what Arsenal paid for him prior to the Spaniard even taking the reins. That's the point I'm making. I I think it would be wrong to say, well, the club spent 27 million, therefore I have to play you. I mean, look at Nicolas Pepe now. Arsenal are in brilliant form. Nicolas Pepe isn't getting a look-in. He costs £72 million. So am I going to say to Mikel Arteta that you have to bin your plans and you have to put, uh, you know, Nicolas Pepe in the team week in, week out because of a deal that somebody before you even arrived sanctioned? Absolutely not. And that's my point. It's not in the slightest bit Mikel Arteta's fault. And I think actually, although Salib has done overall and relatively quite well at Marseille, there have been moments of inconsistency. There have been a few stinkers in terms of his performances. And I think if you watch it, if you watch closely and you you do your due, due diligence, is the term I was looking for, then you will, um, you, you will see that there are still inconsistencies. And therefore, instead of berating Mikel Arteta for the fact that Saliba is not at Arsenal, praise him for having the bollocks to stand up to the club and say, I don't care what you paid for this guy. He's not ready. He's not good enough. He might be down the line and therefore I'm going to loan him out. And he's loaned him out and he's improving. So, you know, I think we should be praising Arsenal and Arteta and the way that they've handled this situation. We know that under Raul Leahy numerous deals were done that didn't sit right with the club that have been since reviewed and have decided to have been big, big mistakes. We know that's why he's no longer at the club. And, um, Uh, Raul Sanley that is. And so I think we should give the current guys praise and credit for having the balls to stand up and say, no, the reset button needs hitting here. That means all of the club. That means every aspect of it. And we are not going to, um, you know, we are not going to just be hostages uh, to deals that have happened in the past. Uh, GB says, because managers have a duty to protect the value of the club's assets, like any business, you certainly don't go about destroying value. Ben White has also been c- inconsistent. Remember Brentford. The fact, GB, that you've had to go all the way back to the first game of the season to find a game that Ben White played really poorly in proves you completely wrong. You know, you said that he, um, you know, he, he's been inconsistent. And then you're pointing back to the first game of the season when we've played, what, nine, ten since that? And he's been he's been pretty good. I don't think that somebody, um, you know, having one poor game in 10, 11, whatever it's been is is necessarily someone that's inconsistent. I think it's an unfair sort of uh, tag to put on Ben White. But listen, you, you, you can protect the value of players where possible, but you can't protect where there is no value. And let's be honest, William Saliba, having not played for Arsenal last season, um, you know, at all, having not been registered and then sent out on loan in January, had zero value, certainly didn't have any of the, uh, anything like a £27 million value, which is what we paid for him. Actually, Mikel Arteta, I think, has done quite well to maintain that value by sending him out to Marseille. I think you could argue now that he's a £27 million centre-back, which means we haven't lost a penny. So, yeah. Um, Interesting stuff. Keep the comments coming, guys. There's some great comments coming in today. And and I know that sometimes I I disagree with them, but I love the interaction. I love them uh, coming in. So uh, thank you. And a big love to uh, GB as well for your great comment. Uh, Let's see what else we've got. (coughs) Okay, just before we move into the Q&A section, just want to quickly touch on a couple more stories, starting with Adrian Kujumba's report with regards to Eddie Enketia according to the journalist uh, he has told arsenal that he wishes to leave the club and i think we all saw this coming i think we all knew um that that eddie Nketiah's future is not at arsenal we all know that he is um he is someone that is is going to you know most likely leave uh, when his contract expires. And I don't think there's a lot that Arsenal can do about that. And to be honest with you, would I be bending over backwards to keep Eddie and Ketty up? Probably not. Um, as harsh as it sounds, you know, as I always say, I love the idea of our young, talented players coming through, building, developing, and then eventually establishing themselves as um, first-team regulars. But with, uh, with Eddie and Nketiah, I just don't see enough... Uh, quality there to suggest that he's someone we need to hang our hats on. I think when we signed following Balogun down to that new contract, I think that was a telltale sign of where Mikel Arteta and Arsenal's heads were at with regards to Eddie Nketiah. I think obviously as well, it's different because Enketia is at a different stage in his career to Balogun. He will feel like he can't wait, whereas Balogun probably can uh, or certainly can. At least a little bit longer. And I think that's obviously played a part as well. But listen, I wish Eddie and Ketia all the best. I really do. I think he's been a good servant to Arsenal. I think he's always given a hundred percent when being given opportunities. But I'm not um I'm not surprised to see him uh, you know wanting to move on. It it makes sense to me. Uh, Just while I've got it here, let me just bring this comment up from Tabras because um, I don't want to miss it. Uh, He said, did you read my DM regarding Ozil Harry? Yeah, I read your DM um, and and I apologise. I was looking at the wrong stat. I was looking at the starts uh, rather than the appearances that he's made for Fenerbahce in the league. So I stand corrected on that. Um, And listen, Ozil for me has gone to Fenerbahce and I know we're going off topic again. Um, but Messer Azul has gone to Fenerbahce and shown himself to be a petulant child, and and I feel bad about that because I was one of the people that was, you know, very sort of um, frustrated by the fact that he wasn't involved. I felt like we were cutting our nose off uh, to spite our faces. But I think you're going to see it now with with Messer I think his head's just gone from the game. I just don't think it's his priority. I don't think it's his. Number one anymore, and the fact that this is now happening at another club, whereby he's upset the hierarchy, whereby his attitude is being called into question, I think that is a sign that you know the problem is is with him, and you know, and I was wrong about that in the past. I I always knew that there was a petulance to Ozil. I always knew that there was a bit of a diva, if you want to call it that, uh, inside him, but. You know, to see him go to Fenabache, where he was supposedly going to the team he loves and the team he adores and supported growing up and then act the same is is obviously uh, a red flag for me. Um, but thank you for your DM, mate. I did, I did read it. I, listen, sometimes I miss DMs. Sometimes I read them and I don't get around to replying to them. So uh, I do apologise, but always happy to to receive them. So feel free to ping them over on Twitter uh, about anything and anyone, whatever you like. Uh, quickly, uh, just on Nicholas Pepe. Now, a lot of you are subscribers to the Guna Talk TV as well. And you'd have seen on Tom's video, uh, that he didn't write a piece about Arsenal selling, uh, Nicolas Pepe or wanting to sell Pepe. He said in his personal opinion, he would like to see, uh, or he would be happy with a 25 million pound fee for Pepe. That was then taken out of context and, and published by a number of other, um, media outlets who just didn't do their job properly let's be honest um you know they've they've read an opinion piece and turned it into a news story is it because it's the international break and content is light i don't know but there's still no excuse for someone reading that story and then completely fabricating what come off the back of it uh so yeah i, I don't think there's much to that one um i don't think there's anything to that one and to be clear tom never claimed uh that's tom canton from the gune talk that there was something to it. He, he, he said straight away, that's not what I wrote. Um, and it's all there in black and white for those of you who care to read it. So um, I think we can kind of you know, discount that story. Uh, Tuto Juve, however, in Italy have reported that Arsenal have offered Nicolas Pepe to Juve as a swap for Kulusevski, uh, but that the Italian club are not interested and want at least €35 million for the Swede. Again, take that with a pinch of salt, okay? It feels like a convenient story. One day we hear, according to some of these uh, publications, that Arsenal want to sell Pepe for 25 million pounds. They look at Kulusevsky's value, which is somewhere around that mark. They look at the the links with Kulusevsky and Arsenal over the last few days. They put two and two together. It's a very, very easy story to make and one that I would not pay any attention to at this stage. So um, yeah, just wanted to clear those couple of bits up. But now it's the time you've all been waiting for. Let's get that Q&A underway. And if you want to drop a question in and you're watching us live at the moment, you can do so. We're going to QA it away for the next sort of 20 odd minutes. Uh, so looking forward to this. I do like doing these, especially during the international break when there's not so much to talk about and not so much to cram in. It's always good fun. Um, right, let me um let me take this one first from Ryan Finity. And these came through the YouTube community tab. As I say, if you do want to get a question in live right now, um, then please do. Uh, pop a Q at the beginning of the question and then drop it in the chat box and I'll get through as many of those as I can. So the first question is from Ryan Finity, who says, do you think we should play a back five against Liverpool to incorporate Tierney back into the side? So I assume what you're saying, Ryan, is do I want to see Tierney play as a third centre-back, essentially, with Nuno Tavares playing as a left wing-back? Look, I'm a big believer that you need to have your own system your own philosophy but at the same time you also need to be adaptable and you need to be humble enough to realize that when you play against stronger opposition sometimes you'll have to make tweaks sometimes you'll have to make changes and and that's just part of football i think for me on the balance of things ryan i wouldn't i wouldn't go to a back five i i just think that we're finally in a place where we know what it's going to be from week to week. We know that out of possession, we're kind of like this 4-4-2, four, four, two, two banks of four, defending really, really well. And then, you know, we, we've we got Lacazette and, and Aubameyang, when available and fit, kind of leading the press from the front. And I think it's proven a really effective way for Arsenal to play lately. Am I worried about the trip to Liverpool? Of course I am. Is it a game I expect us to get anything from? If I'm being truly honest, no. Uh, but Liverpool are not watertight. Liverpool are not uh, the Liverpool that they were maybe a couple of seasons ago we've seen some cracks appearing we've seen them drop points in recent times and for Arsenal things are going pretty well at the moment so I don't think there's a, re- a real reason for Arsenal to veer away from what's worked in recent times but I do understand the thought process and I do get why there are a lot of people out there that maybe feel that way so I think that you you stay the way we are um You know, a big question is, does Tierney come straight back in the side? Has Nuno Tavares done anything wrong that suggests he should be left out, that he doesn't deserve to continue in that position? I would argue probably not. I think he's been very, very good. But that is a question that we'll get a little bit deeper into as we start to build up to the game, because we've got plenty of content coming up around Saturday's fixture, and we'll talk about it then in a little bit more uh, detail. We might, and I'm not 100% sure yet, because it just depends on uh, on how things go with work but we might even get an opportunity to do a live watch along for that game. I haven't done one of those in a long long time. I know a lot of you join us when we do them. I know a lot of you enjoy uh, enjoy them. Give me a thumbs up in the chat box if you'd be interested in one uh at the weekend because depending on how work goes for me, uh depending what I get allocated to at the weekend, I might be able to make it happen. I don't want to make any promises. But if you're interested in it, chuck a thumbs up in the chat. And uh, that'll give me an indication as to whether it's worthwhile doing. Uh, Let's see what else we've got here. Let's take this one from one of our members, Richard Barker, who says, after Josh's interview, how do you view his vision of Arsenal moving forward? Do you think he truly meant, understood just how a global franchise, how global a franchise Arsenal is or could be? I reckon he does, but Stan will get in the way. Um, So, the Josh interview, I didn't really get anything new from it. I, I didn't watch it and think, oh, you know, that's different or that's new. I, it was a lot of the same stuff that I kind of expected and that I've heard before. Um, but having said that, I think that what we are getting now is we're getting a more committed Josh Cronkey. We're getting the attention of Josh Cronkey. And, you know, we never got that from Stan ever at any point. And I think that that was one of the big gripes that a lot of us had. And, and I just want to see a bit more presence. And I'm one of these people who I, I listen, I'm not a fan of the owners, but I do think that it can be very it's a it's a kind of easy thing to direct your anger at when things aren't working on the pitch. I think ultimately they're responsible for what's happening on the pitch. Ultimately they're responsible for putting the right people in place in the manager's seat, in in the on the board, et cetera, et cetera, that can, you know, obviously help us. To achieve those objectives. But I don't think right now we've really got much to complain about. I think they did back the manager in the summer. And some people will say that, you know, it's the wrong manager and it's the wrong backing. And that remains to be seen. But I think they did their bit in terms of making money available. um, And and in terms of allowing Mikel Arteta almost the keys to the club, along with Edu, to kind of do what they see as fit. So I'm not going to say that, I listened to it or watched it and and took loads away from it because it felt like the same old, same old, uh, to be honest with you. As with regards to will Stan get in the way, I I think that Stan has had to take a bit of a backseat when it comes to Arsenal. You could argue that he's always taken a backseat and has very uh, rarely actually been involved. But I think now you're seeing this club almost move into the care of uh, Josh Conkey and I feel a lot more comfortable about that, just purely, not because I think he's better, not because I know an awful lot about him, but just because he seems to be more active. And I think that's quite important. Not what you want from owners is you don't want them to be overactive in the sense that they're stepping on people's toes and that they're, you know, they're interfering with things that they're just not cut out to do but you do need a level of activism you do need a level of interest from your owners you do need a level of engagement to make you at the very least just feel like they're hoping to take the club in the right direction so look we're gonna have to see but a couple of things um that kind of really did jump out at me was the the constant pointing to the fact that the cronkeys didn't take full ownership of Arsenal until 2018, he repeatedly makes that and He really wants to hammer that home because you're almost getting this feeling and this vibe from them that they didn't actually want to invest. They didn't actually want to be uh, taking risks at a time where their full ownership of the club was still an uncertainty since 2018, when they did take full control. I think you can say that the spending, maybe not in terms of what we got with it, but what we spent in terms of monetary value was actually quite strong and and quite big in comparison to some of the other clubs in the Premier League and for that you have to give them some credit so let's see um you know let's see let's see how it goes uh let's see what else we've got I'll take this one from Triggy and then we'll move into some of the the questions in the live chat box he says at what age did you become a fan supporter of Arsenal and how did it come to be um probably started supporting Arsenal properly when I was five or six years old. Um, Hard to say exactly because you don't really remember when you're that age. I don't think you do anyway. Um, But yeah, it would have been around that mark. Um, The first season I remember really, really clearly was the 97-98 double winning season. Um, and how did it come about? Well, I was brainwashed, to be honest with you. <laughs> I was brainwashed from a very, very young age and I've never been able to shift it since. Uh, so, yeah, my, my dad is the the big influence for me uh, when it comes to supporting the Arsenal. Right. Uh, thank you for your question. Uh, let's take some more now from some from the live chat. Uh, skips, though, with an interesting one. He says, in France, Pepe played best closer to the striker. Is he a winger or should he be given a chance next to, or instead of Oba, he is a finisher? I think with Pepe, I think he's a he's a confidence player. He goes through phases. Sometimes he's really effective, really impactful. Other times he looks disinterested. He looks shot of confidence and he looks like, you know, a, an average player. And I think that's the thing with Nicolas Pepe. Again, I, and I know I've made this point on numerous occasions, but we keep going down this same route with him. And that route is, you know, where we're sitting here and we're saying, well, Nicolas Pepe isn't a £72 million player. And I think that's clear. You know, I think everybody knows that. I think we knew that from very, very early on in his Arsenal career. But I still think he's a good and he's an effective winger. Naturally, playing from the Right-hand side when you're left-footed means you want to drift in field, means you want to get closer to the centre-forward because the centre-forward is in a a more central position. That's just the way it works. Um, You know, you'll gravitate there because you want to cut in on your stronger foot. And I think that he's a good finisher as well. I think he's one of the best finishers at the club. I'd still rather a chance fell to him than most of the rest of them. I still think he's a more accomplished finisher than Bukayo Saka, for example. Um, even than Emile Smith-Rowe, if I'm being completely honest. But it's that level of inconsistency with Nicola Pepe that continues to be a problem. And um, listen, there's been a lot of talk, as I say earlier on, about him potentially moving away and the club supposedly being interested in shifting him for £25 million Why can't we have squad players like Nicolas Pepe? Why can't we have people like him in and around the club uh, available when we need them, ready to make the impact off the bench, ready to fill in in the absence of players? Because we will have that at various points in the season. So I'm not really stressed or worried or concerned or even pe- giving much credence to the Nicola Pepe situation at the moment, because for me, um, you know, he's part of the squad, he's part of the plan, and and that's that. Um, remember, we're not in Europe, all of that plays a part, you know, he'd have played five, six Europa League games up until now. Um, you know, if if he was, if we were in Europe, that might have given him more minutes, therefore more goals, therefore more assists. And then maybe the narrative around Nicola Pepe as a result of that will be very, very different. So not too stressed about the situation. I don't think he's a striker, but I think he operates differently to Bukayo Saka. And maybe his slight differences in the way he operates is what means in Mikel Arteta's eyes that he's not not the right man to start at the moment. Or maybe it's just down to form. Maybe it's just down to confidence. I don't know. Uh, great question, though. Thank you so much. Uh, let's see what else we've got. Uh, Aaron says, do you think that the 4-4-2 is the future preferred formation we'll be we playing long term? Or is Arteta going to complete the transition to 4-3-3 he talked about when he first took over? I don't think he ever really said clearly, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't recall him ever clearly 100% saying, I want to play a 4-3-3, is the end goal. And I think we've seen a lot of different formations um, applied by Mikel Arteta up until now. And I think for me, it's, it's, it's a difficult one to say, it's a difficult one to kind of uh, answer categorically here, because... Do I think four four two is his preferred formation? No, I don't. I think that a four three three is probably more like what Mikel Arteta would like uh, moving forward. However, I think he's looked at what he's got now. He's looked at what Aubameyang brings to the team, the fact that he's the captain, that he's the talisman, that it's important that he plays. He's looked at what Lacazette also brings to the team, which is a work rate, an effort, a, a physicality, a, an ability to press, um, and he's gone. I need both of them in the team. And this is the way you accommodate both of them in the team. You don't stick one out on the left wing. He tried that in various uh, instances last season and it just didn't work. And he's just taken a decision that playing this way means I can get both of those players who are very senior and very important into the side. And I think the team have been set up quite well around, around them to accommodate that. But I think this is more something by something out of necessity rather than choice if that makes sense so I do think that eventually we'll move away from the 4-4-2 but I do think that right now he's looking at it and he thinks based on the way we are now based on the way things are going this is the best way to play and sometimes football can be as simple as just picking your best players and I think that's what Mikel Arteta has done here and he's decided not to overcomplicate it um and, and just move on uh Sam says, uh, if we beat Liverpool, are we title challengers? No, no. Too early to be saying that. Uh, Tabra says, Harry, Xhaka needs to go. We cannot understate how much his absence has brought the fan base back together. Regardless of his merits and flaws, he is too divisive and needs to be moved on. Thoughts? I, I think his absence has allowed people just, or, or has given people just a, a reason not to talk about him, which is nice. And and listen, I've I said it in the summer about Granit Xhaka. I recognise his value. I recognise what he's good at, what he's not good at, what he brings to the team, what he maybe doesn't bring to the team. And I said that I'd almost made peace with, with the idea of him leaving just because of this very reason. Because fans will constantly talk about him. When we lose, it will always be his fault. When we win, it will never be because he played a part in it. That's just the way that the agenda... um a lot of Arsenal fans seem to have towards Granit Xhaka works. And it is really, really frustrating. I think Arsenal are playing well at the moment in, um, you know, in spite of his absence rather than because of his absence. But I get why you'd say that he, he needs to move on because it, there's just this negativity that is around him and, and it's causing us problems. But I'll tell you one thing now, and I might, hopefully I do, uh, but, Bite my tongue, or, or whatever the term is, um, eat my words. Next next week, I don't know that I'd rather have Lekonga and Maitland-Niles in the midfield at Anfield than having Granite Xhaka available. And that's the big thing, right? If everybody's fit, everybody's available, it's not so much of a miss. But given the the injury problems we have, and the fact that Thomas Partey could miss, which is what we're being told, the game against Liverpool, that's a big problem and it's a big worry. And you could do with Granite Xhaka's seniority. So I still feel he has a role to play in the squad. Whether people like him or not, I don't really care. I, I look at it as from purely um, a football perspective. And I think that you need to be able to compartmentalise that and 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 kind of block out the noise about all the other stuff. I think he's a miss. I think he's, a, he's somebody that we are getting on okay without at the moment. And that's great. But without Thomas Partey, if he is to be unavailable for Liverpool, I think you're going to see the problem now. And um you didn't see it against Watford because it was at home to Watford relegation follower uh last weekend or the weekend before whenever it was. But now we're we're in a place where if Partey continues to be absent, we're gonna have a problem. Uh, let's see. Uh, John Harding says, was well, skeptical about the Amazon documentary when it was first announced, but really looking forward to it. Now, do you reckon having the camera around adds a level of motivation for the place to perform? Uh, potentially, potentially, um, you know, that could be the case. Uh, do I think that it's something that they'll be paying a lot of attention to? I'm not sure. Um, I'm not I I don't know, man. I don't really know what the filming process is like. I I don't really know how in your face it is. Um I imagine that the club will be very careful about the access that they give, and and I think that's a, that's a big thing in modern football. Access is at a premium. It's very difficult to get in behind the lines, if you like. Obviously, Arsenal have agreed to do this documentary for the, the PR benefits, the financial benefits, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I don't know how much of an impact that's having on, on the team now. I think it's really difficult to quantify that. Uh, but I too, John, uh, am very much looking forward to seeing it. Alex says, Harry, I know you watch a lot of Italian football. What do you think of our recent links to Bologna's, uh, Bologna's Matthias Zvamberg is, is supposed to be? Uh, or do you think his midfield partner, Nicolas Dominguez, would be a better fit for Arsenal? i got to be honest with you, mate. I... I don't watch much of Bologna. Um, I do watch a lot of Italian football. I tend to watch the um, the bigger sides. And I know that sounds really elitist of me, but I don't really watch a great deal of Bologna. What I've seen of of Svanberg, you know, he looks like a decent player. Um, I also like Dominguez as well. But I couldn't, say for certain if if they would be a good fit for arsenal but i will go away and research that and i'll tell you what if the uh, links get stronger then we'll bring on an italian football expert with a far deeper knowledge of mine uh to give you guys the download on the player uh let's see what else we've got let's take a couple more of your questions um hold on a second <laughs> pratik says that harry and jacker is the classic love story yeah, it's starting to feel like that, isn't it? Uh, Jonathan says, would you imply a back three against the same question as we had earlier? Sorry, I should have read that before I read it out. Um, Jonathan Thorn says, would I imp- apply a back three? No, uh, is the short answer. But my full answer is, uh, is a little bit further back. Um, let's see what else we've got. Um, architect. Actius Stuck says, uh, How do you fancy Arsenal picking up points this weekend? Look, I don't think it's beyond the realms of possibility that Arsenal pick up something at Liverpool. You know, I, I don't think it's impossible. I think it's made incredibly harder if Partey's unavailable. But there's also a part of me that's worried about rushing Partey back because of what happened last season and how many times we broke down off the back of coming back too soon. But it's obviously a massive blow. It affects our chances massively, I think. Um, But even still, I think we've got enough in our squad to give Liverpool some trouble and I think what I take huge encouragement from is the fact that we've been a lot more sound defensively, uh, a lot more competent defensively, and that makes you feel like you can hang in a game for a much longer period of time. Therefore, you have a chance of winning it. So, look, I I don't think it's likely that Arsenal come away with anything, but I think it's possible, and I think we should be um, quietly optimistic about that and and should be going into the game, um, you know, feeling good. And, uh, yeah, why not? You know, why not? What's the point in uh, in supporting your team otherwise if you go into every game feeling as though you're going to lose and you stand no chance? Mile High uh, says, Hey, Harry, did you see my answer to the book question last week? I think I got it. Um, I did read it. I, I don't remember if your answer specifically, mate, was correct, but what I have done this evening is collated all the correct answers uh, because I received some on Twitter, some on email, some on Instagram, even some on Facebook. Um, some of you, replied underneath the tweet and and what i've done is collated them all and i'm going to send them over to chris the author of the book who will pick a couple of winners and then he'll get directly in touch with you and fire out some signed copies of his brand new book all roads lead to the arsenal uh if you want to check out the review of that you can uh, check out our show from late last week it was on friday i believe But yeah, good stuff. Uh, You know what? I'm going to take one more uh, question before we jump off. Um, I'm going to be watching uh, Italy this evening. they got a massive game against Northern Ireland um, in the uh, World Cup qualifying section. Uh, Switzerland hot on their heels, uh, currently in second place, but that one could go uh, either way in terms of how that group's going to finish. Difficult trip for Italy away to Northern Ireland. If you're already... Uh, if you're listening to this after the results, uh, happened or the game's been played and you know, the result, uh, ignore me, but, uh, looking forward to sitting down and watching that one in about five minutes or so. So, uh, I am going to take one more question. And in fact, you know what I'm going to do? Cause I always forget to do this. I'm going to take one from Twitter because I did, uh, get a few on there as well. Let, bear with me a second. Uh, where are we? Where are you? Uh, here it is okay um john not if you had the choice in january of either indeedy for 50 million or Bisuma for 40 which would you choose oh um i think i'd probably go with Bissuma. i i just find him a little bit more not saying he's not I feel like he's a bit more mobile. I feel like he's a little bit more all action, a little bit more of an all-rounder than Indeedee is. Um although Indeedee's a a wonderful player as well. Um but yeah, no, I I I think I'm going to go with uh, Yves Bissouma. They're both 25 years old as well and Bissouma's cheaper. I know he's done more maybe in his career up to now, which would suggest that's why, but yeah, uh, I'm going to go with um with Bissumo out of the two. So, uh, yeah, there you go. That concludes our Q&A and uh, really, really enjoyed it. We'll do some more of it uh, over the course of the week. If it's what you guys want, just let me know in the comment section. Always happy to hear from you. Make sure if you haven't done so already that you hit the like button on your way out. Let me have a look. Hold on a second because we have got currently at the moment over 150 of you watching us across the multiple platforms but on youtube right now i've only got 35 likes come on um try and uh let's try and get that up to as close to 75 as possible by the time the outro plays the likes really really do help uh make sure you subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so already make sure if you want to become a member you do so by clicking on the link in the description if you're listening via the audio platforms please please do leave us a review um uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts and views on the show and uh, i'll be back tomorrow with not one but two bits of content And we're going to be making some changes to the studio tomorrow as well. So I'm going to be up from the crack of dawn, moving stuff around. We've got some new bits, new equipment, new setup. So looking forward to getting all that set up as well. was hoping to do it today, but never got around to it. So we'll be doing that tomorrow and uh, look out for the new look. I'll be back very, very soon with more. Until next time, take care of yourselves and stay safe. Goodbye.